you know, the literal second we clapped, I got four DMs from different people. What what in the world? <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, that happens every clapping. single time I press uh, go live on the Twitch as well. It's like just DMs. Yeah, literally DMs and yeah. emails and phone uh, like, lights up and uh, everything is like, yeah, like literally every single day. People just know. Yeah. What's even better is one of them is from one of my mods. No context. He just says someone really fucked up at their job. That's it. Okay. <laughs> Are you talking about me? Are you talking about somebody at your work? Are you like, did I do something? I'm recording yeah, a podcast like, right now. Is this so something this... I need to worry about? <laughs> Am I in trouble? <laughs> and then the other one's sending me pictures of quesadillas that he's making at his camping stove mm. because we're going on a hike and a picnic tomorrow. So we're going to go make quesadillas in the forest and get eaten oh, by a bear, nice. hopefully. I'm so jelly of all your uh, hiking trips and everything. I, I want to go as well. What's I mean, stopping you? Yeah, what's uh, stopping you? Eight months of winter, <laughs> mostly. Well, take, it's take almost, like four almost, months off a year and go for hikes. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of want to go like late summer or early autumn. It would be really nice. Let's so like you a, have like a one-week window then? Because like it's eight it months It really is like that. Yeah, it's pretty much that. <laughs> Like, like if either we, we too still, hot or like spring is now starting here. Like we have a little bit of green in in the trees and grass now. I mean, so. we we had no warm weather. Like it was not above like ten degrees consistently until two weeks ago. Yeah, we had like a minus five uh, like two weeks ago, and then it suddenly yep. jumped to like twenty. Yeah, I couldn't plant tomatoes because it kept going below freezing mm -hmm. up until like this past week. So. I'm not that much further south than you, actually, on a map. Yeah. I'm just coastal and near tropic winds, and so I get, we, we just get gusts of warm air all winter from Hawaii. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are coastal as well, so we get the warm current uh, into here, which makes, like, really mild uh, winters, uh, mostly. They just last forever. Yeah, but if, if, if I was, like, up in Prince George or... Like further north in BC, like it, it, it would be the exact same thing, mm -hmm. because you know you don't have to go if that much like further a... north to get that same kind of. Yo, yeah. there's still snow and it's May. <laughs> yeah, we, there is still snow. <laughs> but snow? like we had uh, like a week of uh, like warm weather now, and then it rained there uh, for like a couple of days, and then it got warm again. So like all the plant life is like instantly like blooming. I'm gonna be seeing snow tomorrow where I'm going on that hike. There, mm. there will be snow up there, but take uh, pictures, please. Sure. Although it'll be very sad snow, and it'll be covered in bugs because it's above freezing up there, right? Yeah. Mm. So it's all like just under the tree line cover, so it's protected, so it's in the shade, so it's not going to melt immediately. But like that's where that's where bugs grow <laughs> this time of year. <laughs> yeah. So it'll just be covered in beetles, wood beetles, but. I take yeah, it. I need to in install some uh, bug screens on our windows again as well. Yeah. Like Week, and then we're going to see all the small flies and everything. My apartment is full of fruit flies, and there's nothing I can do about it. Hmm. I, I hate buying fruit because that sometimes you just I, get like I take a million out, of them. I, I take yeah. out the compost every day because of it. Mm hmm. Because there's no way to get rid of them. 
But uh, you know what there you know what you can get rid of, but you probably shouldn't is episode seventy of the Halcyon Frequency podcast. I'm back and I'm hosting. I- I'm blind and uh, I'm joined today by Bellinaire. How are you doing today? I'm back as well. I guess I haven't been in on in a while. Welcome uh, back. I'm I'm surviving. It's getting better. <laughs> I guess it's okay. Everything's always constantly improving. Kiri is also here. How are you? Yeah, today? I'm I'm good actually. I had a cold this week or last weekend this week. But I'm fine again. Yay. Thumbs up for improving. Um, I don't know. We, we've just been kind of rambling about out- outdoor stuff, and I kind of want to keep this conversation going <laughs> that we had during the free show because mm-hmm. outdoor stuff is fun. But how's life been? What, what has everybody been up to? It's been a while since I've hosted an episode. Uh, I think I said this the last time I hosted an episode <laughs> because scheduling has been all over the place with, you know, like summer kind of kicking in and everybody getting busy on the weekends all of a sudden. And it's like, well, it's not like okay to just stay strapped down on 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 fridays and not go outside and record a podcast every week so it gets a little bit more complicated to record things with the same cast every week so i guess this kind of becomes like catch-up time for us in a way yeah it's true but i don't know well, like what's everybody <laughs> been up to How, how's how's streaming been how's the, the the general feeling of like the natural transition from spring into summer been going for let's start with kiri Streaming's been great, actually. I'm enjoying it a lot more again because a couple of months ago I started therapy and it's been amazing and eye-opening and I've learned so much about myself and I've got a better work-life balance and it only took like, you know, four years. But I'm finally there and I have weekends now. It's amazing. I could go out and do stuff, like go for a hike. It's awesome. The smartest thing that I did during the pandemic was cut my streaming schedule down to three days a week. I'm back up yeah. to four now, but like, I don't know. The fourth doesn't count. I only stream for six hours on the fourth. So, yeah, I've been nice and short. watching all of you do that, uh, reducing your hours and reducing your like, days of streaming. I was like, that seems nice. I should do that. I keep telling myself that I need to take at least one day of uh, a week. Yeah. But then I don't. Uh, <laughs> I, need to, I, I really need to kick my butt uh, to actually do that as well. It would be nice to have at least a day to do all the non-streaming stuff and maybe also some like real-life stuff uh, as well. Yeah, so I, took a, I took a page out of FG's book and other streamers as well, and I, I have a second channel with co-working mm-hmm. stuff now. And it's been yeah, so amazing. Uh, that idea sounds really amazing. Because well. I'm still streaming but, and the hardcore fans are still watching. I yeah. do get a bit of money and I don't ruin my stats for the other channel for sponsorships. And I, I get so much work done. It's yeah, amazing. It like a good idea. I, I fall in and out of love with those, uh, with the second channel. Like, there's parts of it that I love where it's like, yeah, I really love having this channel running and I can stream on it and I can make some extra money while editing and whatnot. And then, like, there's times where it's just like, I don't even want to do that. <laughs> so it, it yeah. kind of depends on the mood. Like, I, bas- I basically didn't stream on my second channel at all last month, but I, I did mm-hmm. a lot the month before. Um, yeah. But it's, it's good to have that but... uh, option set up uh, when you feel like doing it. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't care about the numbers side of things for sponsorships because I don't take them really. Um, but uh, the it's just kind of nice to be able to have a channel I don't care about, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's very freeing. To a degree. Yeah. I, I mean, I think like you're only as limited by the limitation. You're only limited by the limitations you create for yourself on your main channel, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. And I do that a lot. Right, yeah. so like, if They're you only stream in a certain that, schedule, so. you put that limitation there. If you if you only stream certain types of games, you put that limitation there. And yep, 
like there's definitely kinds of games where I go, yeah, I'm a, I'm not gonna stream that because like my limitation won't let me, which is why I streamed Jelly Car mm-hmm. for four hours on my second account once. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's like always you yourself is it's like the biggest enemy of your successor. You have to fight yourself out to do things uh, and get better. Yeah, not just success though. For me, it's also just relaxation. Yeah, like I'm so bad at that. uh. But I, I am my my worst enemy, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really bad at taking time off and relaxing. Not because I don't want to take time off and relax. I want to take time off and relax. The problem is, is if I take time off and relax, most of the time I either a end up at the pub or b end up on my floor inebriated um because there's nothing to do and i have no friends most of the time so it's like i have a couple of friends but they work normal jobs and it's like well i took a day off and it's a monday well what am i gonna do on a monday (laughs) Um, yeah so sometimes i can find stuff to do but especially if it's like in the winter and it's raining it's like well i have eight beers in my fridge and uh, i'm gonna put a movie on yeah that's that's my evenings that's always like always like Okay, I'll take a day off uh, to relax, uh, but then you stress about taking the day off uh, to relax, and it's really not yeah. relaxing at all. Or I just yeah. end up sitting at the computer all day anyway, playing other video game, and then I smack myself because I'm like, well, I could have just recorded that. Yeah. Why didn't I just uh, record that? Or at least stream on a second channel or something. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's uh, being a, a solitary person in existence in a job that is very solitary can be kind of... Uh, I don't know. It's hard. Yeah. I I would I would say that, yes. <laughs> I would say it's the hardest <laughs> part of this job for me, actually. Mm-hmm. It's also a part that people don't really see and think about the What, when they yeah. were like getting into streaming or whatnot? Or Yeah, like in general, just uh they don't see how hard it is uh Well, I mean for everyone. I, I think the people who didn't see how hard it is have already quit. Right. Yeah. But also yeah. <laughs> like the number the number of times like I've seen a channel show up on Twitch, do okay for a little bit, and gain a bit of an audience, you know, maybe get into like the mid twenties or high thirties of audience numbers, get to that point where you can start doing well, they start grinding, and then they're gone in three weeks. <laughs> like the number of times I've seen that happen is just off the charts. So like mm. it's, I, it's so easy to like burn out yourself. Eh? Yeah, absolutely. Like you, you, you just start to hate your hobby is really mm-hmm. what happens or like yeah. you start to hate the people who watch you or maybe you're you don't prune your community well enough and you end up with a couple of bad apples and your community makes the job very unpleasant and then you stop right like mm-hmm. the, there's lots of different things that can push people away from this job I, I don't think it's necessarily that people don't realize how hard it is going in i think what this job often ends up doing to people is like you just see the glam, you just see the glitz, and you just see the positive sides from the outside looking in, and you just mm-hmm. expect that. And it's, that's, it's the same way with any job. Yeah. It's also why people tell you what to make your hobby into a job. Keep them separate. Yeah. yeah I'll make, if make you enjoy something, don't, don't make it work. Make all yeah. the hobbies into jobs. Then you have no jobs, you just have hobbies. It's great. Pay you money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is, there is obviously... Good points about it. well, it's not like we wouldn't we didn't, wouldn't do this if uh it didn't have those uh nice things as well. Well, definitely, and streaming is great, but holy, it it just completely destroyed my love for gaming for a while. People love gaming. Weird. I mean, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of do, but ah, oh, 
it's it's funny. I I love video games. I don't always love playing video games. Yeah, for sure. Like I I love the industry of video games. I love the artistry and the creation of video games. And if I'm just like paying attention to the AAA side of things at all times, which is also largely why I avoid so much AAA stuff. If I just focus on the AAA side of things, I see all of the flaws and all of the problems with the industry, and it just stares me right in the face, and I slowly start to hate it. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you are staring at, like, say, the the more indie side of things, and you're seeing the little success stories, it's it, it can be uplifting and awesome. Like... You know, see, seeing a little game release that, you know, had no hype behind it and just a small Twitter account and uh, a couple of Reddit followers, and that's about it, um, or a couple of Twitter followers and a small subreddit, and that's about it, um, release and then, you know, get 100% positive reviews and sell, a f- like, a couple thousand copies, which is enough to, you know, fund the rest of the game's development. Like, seeing that happen always feels fantastic, and I, I, I look for that. I try and seek that out, and I try and help people other people achieve that because that's what makes me feel like this job is worth doing if it's just staring at the triple a side of things the big business corporate side of things it's just soul sucking me and it makes me hate this industry and that's the 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 least productive thing i can be doing with my time yeah it's also where like a lot of the negativity of the whole gaming is uh, and all the news and everything is always just all the all the bigger uh-huh. games uh, which we will probably co- cover th- today as well <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, we we've got some of that stuff today, for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I I don't know. That that was a bit of a rant for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel like I'm kind of hogging the microphone. But yeah, um, I I, I don't know. This there, there's a lot of things to love about video games. Video games are pretty cool. So uh, why don't we mm-hmm. uh, go take a real quick break? When we come back, we're gonna talk about the video games that we've been playing this past week, or couple of weeks in some in some cases because some of us haven't been here in a while and uh we'll be right back after this And we're back with episode 70 I don't know if I said that at the top of the Halcyon Frequency podcast and uh Bellinaire, you've been playing a little bit of a open world sleuthing game. Uh, speaking of open world sleuthing, there's a wasp that just flew past me. So if I disappear randomly, there's a wasp in my apartment. Hopefully, it flies out. <laughs> or hear random um, screaming, I guess. Yeah, if you if you hear nonsensical screaming in the background, I'm not dying. I'm just getting stung repeatedly by a wasp. Okay, it's flying away. Please fly out of the apartment. Anyway, uh, so Bellinaire, <laughs> you, you've been playing some Shadows of Doubt. Um, yeah. I... How, a, how's that been? I, it, it ran at one frame a second in the demo on my computer. So oof. I updated my drivers yeah, and then it ran at like 12. Um, yeah, it's, that was be- it? definitely one of the big things uh, that uh, bothered me. Performance was kind of not great uh, at times. And I think there mm-hmm. was like a memory leak or something. So I had to reboot the game every like three, four hours. But I, I, I kind of understand also why it does that. Because it's insanely complex uh, how yeah. the simulation works. So it's all like a procedural generated uh, and you like uh, do a seed for the map and everything. So every character and like everything is just like a generated uh, and all their interactions and they're like uh, who they know, who they, um, where they work and like all of that is like generated uh, and then it's like interlinked. Uh, so they have like a daily routines, all the citizens and everything. And that game just picks like a random person to murder someone. And they just, uh, they, are, they also like do the murder. So they go to a, a place uh, to someone's apartment or a, uh, 
workplace or something, and they murder murder someone there, and then they leave. And it it generates like this a uh, uh, different like a uh, uh, like footprints and fingerprints and things that you can basically uh, search for. And you're playing basically like a Neuer detective uh, character yourself in this like a very dystopian world, like a world is flooded and they live on these like small uh, island cities more or less uh, that are not, not very happy. The world is uh, run by uh, starch cola more or less. So the co- uh, co- basically Coca-Cola got uh, elected as a president. Uh, so Coca-Cola runs States. the city. It's the grim dark future where soda yes. rules the yes. streets. <laughs> gotcha. It's, it's funny when you like they, they sell starch cola everywhere and uh, it's also kind of cyberpunky, so you have like these augments, and one of the augments you can get is basically uh, this starch cola augment uh, that gives you it gives you money up front, but co- like six thousand uh, dollars up front, but taking it out uh, costs uh, six thousand. And uh, uh, every time you drink a cola can, it reduces the price by one dollar, but if you uh, consume a competitor's product, it goes up. Uh, and then. Huh. Uh, <laughs> I don't it's, like it's that. Funny. That's bad. Yeah, it's kinda And then uh, when you look at like uh there's you can see like people's medical records and all of the like like it's crazy how much detail you have like from like like eye color, uh, shoe size, all of their medical information and jobs and hair color, like literally everything about the person. And any of those can be your clue how to catch people. But it's also funny because uh, everyone basically has this, like shoebox of a, uh, like a, their uh, lease for the apartment and their work contracts and everything. And there's also like medical records. And almost everyone in the city has diabetes because everyone is drinking the starch cola. I'm not surprised. So, yeah, it's, it's funny. It's like, oh, this person's di- diabetes and this person's diabetes. It's like every single person in the city. But yeah, it's a uh, the whole like detective side is uh, like you you. It doesn't really like the tutorial tells you like do this and do this to figure out the crime, but then once you get into the actual game, you have to figure it yourself. And you have this, like, a crazy um, board where you uh, put all the pin and all your, like, information and all your clues and kind of make links yourself. Uh, but it doesn't, like, like, hold your hand in any way. It, like, you literally have to figure out, like, what's the connection yourself? Uh, like, you get the fingerprint, and then you have to figure out how do I connect this fingerprint to the killer? And it's it's just a, so much fun uh, having to like go to their workplace, look through all of their work record, like uh, employee records, or like uh, figuring out who lives in that uh, apartment building. You can look at camera records to see like uh, who's been there around the murder time. You get a face, and then you have to match the face to person. And uh, like there's phone records and so many different ways to also like uh, approach the crime. It's just crazy uh, how much like. Like, we had uh, this one crime where uh, someone got murdered in the middle of the street. Uh, and in the, and uh, there was, like, no really clues on it other than this, like, a small note. Uh. So I, I went and hacked uh, the CCTV cameras in the uh, street. And literally just uh, noted down, like, face of everyone around the time. And I spent, like, a, almost, like, an hour or two real time just chasing this one face uh, that I was like, it must be this guy. He was right at the right place at the right time uh, and turns out uh, it wasn't him at all he just happened to be in the wrong oh, no. place at the wrong time oh no and I, I didn't even find the guy who it actually was like that um i didn't find the person i was trying to find i did find the real killer eventually and the game is kind of interestingly made as well like if you don't catch the killer uh they kill again 
So it's basically the game's way of like, well, you couldn't figure it out with these uh, clues. Here are some uh, extra clues. So maybe these will help you. So, so what's the process of actually like tracking down killers in this game? Because like I've heard a couple of people talk about this game and they're just like, oh, this is the best detective game, but nobody really goes further than that. So like, what is the actual like minute to minute gameplay? Like you're going through records and stuff, but how do you do that? Are you sitting at a, or are you, is the game just giving you data and you're just going through spreadsheets? Are you like physically going to places and doing like, like, I don't know, so, dialogue so wheel basically things it, with people? Yeah, so basically you, it's doing? an open world. So you can basically run around and do whatever you want. Uh, and poke people's apartments, and uh, there's also side jobs, so you mm -hmm. can do like a small jobs here. But yeah. every now and then, they basically get like a new murder case at uh, this and this address, and then you need to go to the address. But because you're not a like a real detective or real police or anything, uh, you need to sneak into the apartments and everyone. Because, I mean, you're you're basically trespassing and doing crimes as well. Like uh, people were saying when I was playing the game that uh, I am like the worst criminal in this town. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you have to basically go to the, like, the crime scene, which it tells you like it's in this address, and then you just have like a phone book kind of thing, uh, where you can look at addresses. And there's an actual phone book as well, where you can look at like people's names. Uh, and then you just go to the address, uh, wherever it is, uh, sneak in, or you can use like, air ducts, and... or just usually just walk through the door, more or less. There's usually a police, uh, and you need to sneak in, and you can turn off cameras, and you can turn off lights, and all of that uh, stealth gameplay as well. Which you don't so is, need that much, but... Uh, is this Deus Ex? It, it basically is. Okay. But, I get uh, it. Uh, once you get to like, the, the apartments or wherever you have the murder case, you can have it on the street, you can have it in a shop, uh, an office. Uh, like, uh, there's different locations, and they're going to be adding even more of those. Uh, and uh, then uh, you basically find a body. You can uh, inspect the body and uh, see like what was the cause of murder. Which usually is like stabbing or shooting or poisoning or something like that. Uh, uh, sometimes there's a murder weapon near it. Sometimes there's a like fingerprints, footprints, and you just uh, have it's like a fingerprint scanner, which also works for the uh, footprints. Uh. And then it just uh, allows you to like add these like a sticky notes uh, into your border and put red strings between the notes, and like this leads you to this, and this leads to this. Uh. And usually there is collecting information, uh, like all of the stuff that you can have there. And then like getting all those pictures from the cameras and uh and then you just literally have to go like find like a, okay, I got this footprint. How do I match this? Uh, there is like a for example augment that uh, uh it's actually the dating app uh, augment uh, that allows you like a social economical information but just by looking people. So you get their shoe size and uh, are they married uh, and so on. <laughs> huh. And then you can use that information then to basically track down the people. And there's that a lot of so really cool interesting ways to go for it like there's a, a one thing that's kind of broken almost uh, you can go to the city office hack into this uh, like a government database and look for uh, people's name from there and it gives uh, you like all the information from there uh you can also like uh often uh, what i did uh, was uh, I, I usually like go to the apartment go through all of the information there uh then i go usually to the workplace because uh, you can go to their workplace and w uh, all of the uh workplace basically have like employee records so you get uh, there are fingerprints and everything from there as well. So you can scan for fingerprints from the like uh, if there was like a uh, murder weapon or just fingerprints on the victim or something that didn't match the victims or someone who lives in the apartment. So you can get like a fingerprints from their workplace and then just match if any of those match. You can also like uh, interview people uh, like neighbors and just random people 
like, have you seen this guy? Do you know this guy? And uh, some of them are willing to give you information, some of them are not. You can also ask for fingerprints, and you can also ask to go, like, can I inspect your apartment? Uh, so you think that they might be the murderer. Did, did you ever play Watch Dogs? Uh, no, I have not. Because this kind of sounds like what I wanted Watch Dogs to be. Because in, in Watch Dogs, like, one, one of the, the gimmicks is, like, you're a hacker, right? And you can just, like, scan random pedestrians. It's about as deep as, like, Assassin's Creed, right? Because it's a Ubisoft yeah. game. But you can just, like, scan random pedestrians, and it'll give you, like, information about them. And if you press the right buttons in the right order, you can steal money from them. Yeah. So you'll just be, like, walking around in the street. And instead of doing, like, the Grand Theft Auto thing where you're just, like, socking everybody in the face and, like, beating the crap mm-hmm. out of them and then taking their money, uh, you're, you're just, like, walking past them, like, passively earning money by just walking up the streets. Yeah. Um. But like, it's it's super surface level. Like, there's absolutely no mechanics around it aside from that, and like, there's no real point to it. Like, it's it's a hacking game that's actually just like you're a superhero, except like you can change the color of streetlights and like make fire hydrants explode and yeah, arbitrary things like that. Um. And that's and that's kind of it. You can turn camera off, cameras off, and you can use cameras to make hand grenades in people's pockets explode from across the map, which is kind of cool. But like at the same time, also gets pretty trite pretty quickly. This kind of mm. seems like what I wanted that to be. Yeah, it is. It is just insanely cool, like seeing all the random interactions with the, all the like systems. Uh, like how everything is procedurally generated. Like you have like a, I'm, I'm not actually sure how many people there is. I mean, it depends on the size of the map you do as well. Yeah, how many people get added up and. Uh, uh, it also like tracks all the information you've gathered throughout your playthrough, because uh, it it doesn't really generate new people. It generates the people when it generates the mapper, and it's the same people. So if you collect like uh, fingerprints from everyone, um, you have like like this database of fingerprints. Uh, so you might already know who the killer is uh, for the next crime because you already got the fingerprints and information. Uh, in another case, if you just uh, uh, are very diligent on gathering information. Like, I, I pretty much started that. Every time I met a person, if I didn't know who they were, I asked for a name, and then it matches the face. And because I also had the social economical stuff, it like matches their uh, all their uh, hair, hair color, uh, eye color, uh, shoe size, and everything. And then I asked for a fingerprints and everything. So I had like a massive database of people already. Mm-hmm. And it just gets insane. Like, I understand why, like I said, that, uh, why there might be some performance issues here and there, because there's just so much uh, going on under the hood. And it's it's just insanely satisfying once you actually crack the case, especially if it's been like a really difficult case where I had a I had one where it was like a serial murder for three different murders, uh, and I didn't really uh, figure it out. Like the first murder, just didn't have enough information to catch the person. Like there wasn't enough uh, really information to find it at all. And then the second murder actually had enough information, but I didn't uh, uh, follow the right lead. So a lot of the leads. Uh, don't really lead into any anything, because um, they they're not like uh, like a generated leads. It's it's me deciding this is the lead I need to follow. Like go look through employee records or something. So it doesn't tell you like any like you should do maybe this thing to figure this out. It's like you have to decide yourself what is the what is the lead you lead go for. And it it's just uh, insanely satisfying when you actually do figure out. Oh, it's this thing. It must just... be this thing. I just hope that they get to a point with the optimization of that game where I can play it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, it, it's been improved a lot. Uh, like it was uh, patched a couple times while I was playing, and it improved a lot already. Maybe I need to like just buy it and try it and refund it if yeah. it runs like bad still, because that that demo ran horribly when that when that demo was going around. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, you can definitely notice like uh, when I was playing like uh, 
it's loading out like sections of the world uh, when you go to a new building or something. There's like a small hitcher after playing a while. Gotcha. And then opening some of the menus gets a uh, a little laggy, especially like the address menu because it has a uh, all the names and all the addresses uh, for everyone and every oh. like a uh, shop and uh, every uh, business and everything. So I'm opening that used... and typing in uh, something it gets very laggy. Yeah, I'm certainly used to playing very large procedurally generated games that get laggy after a while. So. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's not exactly something I'm I'm stranger to. It's just when I if I load into a game initially and it runs at like sub one frames a second, yeah, that's not playable. Which is yeah, where I was definitely. at before. So, but yeah, uh, that's I would lovely. definitely highly recommend uh, checking out. This is probably my game of the year so far. Like, wow, it's absolutely and it's an early fantastic. access game too. Yeah, it, it is absolutely fantastic. That is high praise. I, it was funny because uh, I kind of looked at it. Uh, I was like, ah, oh, this looks kind of interesting. And then uh, a viewer of mine was like. You should really play it. It's really good. And I was like, maybe I should. Uh. Then I looked at uh, the developer, which is the coal-powered game. So, and I was like, oh, I do need to play. Because uh, their previous game, the Concrete Jungle, was also fantastic. Uh, oh, small, like a puzzly city builder uh, deck building game. Right. And I really, really enjoyed jungle. that one. Uh, and I was like, okay, I'm definitely playing this game because I really enjoyed the previous game. Right. Well, um, speaking of... Uh, enjoying previous games uh, that developers put out and then playing new games that they put out. I didn't particularly enjoy King Under the Mountain, um, which has been re-released as Mountain Core, but I played it, and it's better. So uh, back in 2018, um, which feels like a billion years ago now, I, I backed a game called King Under the Mountain on Kickstarter, which was supposed to be released on Steam in early access in 2019 uh, alongside of a publisher. And uh, some, the, the game kind of went silent for a few years uh, with the occasional small update going out to the itch.io version, which was very unfinished. Um, and then the developer finally announced that it would be coming to early access in 2021 with the publisher. Then about three or four months before early access launch for King Under the Mountain, uh, it was announced that uh, they'd been dropped by the publisher um and due to varying reasons and uh they would be releasing anyway because they're out of money they released and uh it sold horribly got bad reviews because it was just not in a state that was ready to come out and um got two patches and then the developer didn't update it for a year turns out they apparently got into some legal kerfuffle behind the scenes and um were having trouble with the name king under the mountain um so they deleted the steam page and have now re-released it as Mountain Core with a year with a year's worth of updates because the developers apparently got funding from somewhere and it has been working on the game full time for about a year. Now, they did give everybody who had the game previously free copies of this new version, so it is kind of just an update if you owned the previous one. So if you own King Under the Mountain, you now have Mount. It's in your library if you owned it previously. Um and. Uh, I've streamed about 15 hours of Mountain Core now, and for people who are unfamiliar with Mountain Core, what, it, what it's trying to do is it's trying to do Dwarf Fortress. It's trying to be Dwarf Fortress, but in a kind of prison architect or RimWorld style where it's flat 2D, has that kind of building, has that kind of aesthetic, uh, plays in that kind of format. But more akin to Dwarf Fortress, you have no direct control over your dwarves unless you have um, them set in the military, at which point then you can set patrol routes, you can tell them to guard somewhere, attack things, but it's very 
it's very dwarf fortressy in the way the combat works. Now, what it's doing differently is everything requires like 18 steps to do. Um, it's a production line game. So just to give you an example, every shop needs at least two tools to function. So it needs like a, a, a carving knife or a rolling pin or a chisel or an axe. Um, and these tools need to be managed and maintained. If you run out of tools, you have to produce more or import them. Um, if they're left outside, they will rust to dust in the rain. Um, if they are used too much, they can break and need to be replaced. Um, you like just, just the process of making alcohol is you need four different shops, which all require metal, which re also requires like eight steps to make metal. Um, and these four shops require uh, wheat, wort, and hops, uh, as well as fuel, which is made somewhere else, which is like four steps to make as well. Uh, you have to grow wheat, wort, and hops, and then they put them all into these different shops, and then they put them into barrels, and they let it ferment. Uh, it's, it, everything about this game is all about multi-step production chains. It's very streamlined. The actual production chains themselves work very well, and they're very simple. Job management is very simple. Every dwarf can do a maximum of three jobs, including hauling, hunting, cutting down wood, carpentry, woodcutting, uh, masonry, blacksmithing. Uh, military is its own kind of career path. Uh, fishing is a job, and it requires fishing rods, which require wood and a woodcutter shop and a carpentry shop to make. Um, beds require uh, wood and linens to make. Linen is a three-step process. Making w uh, planks for beds is pretty simple. It's just chop, chop down trees, make them into planks. So it's it's a production line game. But um, the the question is is like, does it feel different enough from other games to kind of have a reason to exist? And I I would say very much yes, it it does. It feels closer to something like Clan Folk than Rimworld. Uh, just because of the, the tools requirements and the amount of production chains. But it's also a little bit less fiddly with the moods. Um, the dwarves are pretty easy to manage. You just make sure that you import linens in the first year so that they have somewhere to sleep on comfy beds, or they will go insane uh, by year two um, because the, the amount of debuffs they get from sleeping on the floor is enough that, like, you need beds. So, like, just import beds uh, and make sure that you have access to beds and they will be fine. They don't even need separate rooms. They're okay to just sleep in a big old dormitory thingy. Um, but it's, it's, it's got a lot of neat ideas going on, like um, the kitchen, right? It, it doesn't just produce meals. It, produces, it can produce um, soup and cut meats. Um, the soup and cut meats are, are all kind of baked into one. Soup is either veggies or veggies and meat. They prefer it more if it's veggies and meat. Um, but if, if all you have is veggies, you put a cauldron in your kitchen and then they put water and then veggies into the cauldron and then they pick up the cauldron and they carrying it, they carry it to the feasting hall and then it's distributed out to the dwarves as meals. Um, and it's kind of neat watching them all run into the feasting hall and then eat out of these four cauldrons that you just prepared that were just brought over by the cooks. Um, same goes for chefs where like you, there's a special table that you put into the feasting hall and then the chefs bring the loaves of bread over. Um, same works for alcohol where they actually bring like tanks of alcohol over to a beer tapper in the, in the feasting hall where they will go and serve and have little parties. There, there's a lot of neat ideas here, but the, the caveats are, I managed to brick a save file by getting an auto save that auto saved on a sound effect that the game couldn't find. And so it would crash at the same time of day every day. 
Um, and because you can't have split out save files, I lost four hours of progress because it autosaves every day. So that sucks. Mm. Um, but from what I can tell, that pat that bug was already fixed because a patch came out when I got a second round of crashes like that, and it didn't break my save file. So hopefully that's already been fixed. But um, crashing aside, the issues that I have with this game where it communicates information terribly, there's no, like, you know how, like, uh, RimWorld has, like, those little notifications that pop up, so does Dwarf Fortress, that are just like, yo, this is happening, or this is happening, or this is happening, and you need to do this. Um, this game has none of that. So you'll hear sound effects and you'll be like, what does that mean? There's this weird thunk sound that took me like six hours to figure out, oh, that's a job getting canceled. Um, I thought it was like the dwarves fighting or something. Um, and so if like an, an item is lost or something or like disappears for some reason or is moved, then you'll hear this weird thump sound and then your, the job will cancel. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of places where this game could communicate information a lot better. But, you know, it, it has all of the parts. It has enemy invasions. It has monsters that can attack you from the caves if you dig too deep. Uh, you can train your military. Uh, it has waterworks and power structures and irrigation and pipes to pump water to places. It's got pretty much everything you would want from a two-dimensional Dwarf Fortress-style game. Um, it just needs more polish, and that's what it's getting because it's in early access. My biggest concern about this game is if you look at the Steam page for Mountain Core right now, it has seven reviews as of the time of recording because none of the reviews count. It actually has 38, and like I think it's 100% positive. Like Everybody's being super positive on this thing, but none of these reviews count because they're all from Keys, because they're all free mm -hmm. copies from the previous version um, because of how Steam's like review bombing works. So I think this game is just going to disappear off into the ether and become this this weird obscure thing thing that i stream occasionally and i don't want it to do that i want this game to get the development time it needs to become something cool because it's got the bones there for a really neat little colony builder but okay, i just it sounds like a don't see it just ever needs a little bit of polish and then someone finding it out there and then just explodes her yeah and you know i'm i i don't have enough pushing power to be able to do that and also you know me getting a save bricking crash on the on stream mm. doesn't help yeah it right? sucks so. so you know i i think it's a cool thing i hesitate to recommend it though yeah i i still haven't played it I, i've had the game uh, for ages uh now's uh, the time to try waiting for, yeah i've been just waiting for it to actually get to the point that it's great uh, <laughs> or, it's it's or good better to play than now. it was when it launched uh, yeah y you can play it right now it just it takes a little bit to kind of get that build order down it's pretty simple. yeah like just, yeah. just bedroot, like get 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 linens imported right away. Uh, plant your farms, get that going, because otherwise you'll lose out on seeds because this game has seeds. Uh, mm -hmm. Get your feasting hall made and get your kitchen made by winter, and largely you'll be kind of okay. Yeah, I really like the sound of like all these production chains because uh, I never play games like that, right? <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's <laughs> like all production and whatever. Said, so this sounds so amazing. Like I really like the, that. Uh, it also the uh, way the production chains are super work is super simple. Because it's a, it's a room-based system, kind of like Odd Realm, mm -hmm. or um, I think Songs of Six does a similar system, where you put down a little square on the ground, and then you can build your shops in that square, and then you put import and output, imp import and export platforms uh, on these, yeah. which take one plank to build, and you click on it and you say, I want this item to come to this spot to be crafted, 
and I want mm -hmm. this item to come out of it, right? So you can just make like 12 import and export things all with different items on them. So like, mm. as an example, uh, the carpentry shop to make barrels needs barrel staves and barrel hoops, which come from uh, the woodcutter's shop and the metalworks if you have one, or you can import them. Mm -hmm. And so you just say import metal staves and metal hoops, and then you have an export one for a barrel. And if you don't have a stockpile for a barrel, or you have it set to not go to stockpiles from that import-export, whenever they need a barrel, they'll just go grab that, and then somebody else will run to that shop and make another barrel and put it on the export spot. Or you can yeah. just have five export spots for barrels and just have five barrels sitting there perpetually. So you can basically set up a whole chain how to yeah. uh, push and, and pull it, items out. And unlike Dwarf Fortress, where you have to do like the, the if-then commands to like be very specific about what comes out when, it just mm -hmm. automatically does it for you, assuming you don't have, like, you know, too many open stockpiles. But, like, it, it has neat things in it. Like, if you chop down all of a certain type of tree on your map, they won't grow back. So you have to, like, be careful about how you manage your forests and don't let forest fires happen. Um, you have to, uh, you can't dig out two large rooms or they'll cave in, which actually I think is going to be mandatory if you were to mine out the entire map because you'll need to get more stone from somewhere. Um... And it's got, it's got things on its roadmap that look super cool. Like, they want to add an adventure mode, which is just like a party-based action mode where you assault other people's forts that they put up on a server somehow. I don't know how that's going to work or what that's going to look like, but it's been on the roadmap forever. So, yeah. And apparently, everything is moddable. The, the entire game was built around the idea that they, they want to make it moddable. It doesn't have Workshop yet, but that's on the roadmap. I don't know. It, I, I want that game to do well. Yeah. It sounds like it would well but maybe just people haven't seen it though. <laughs> yeah yeah it's been hidden speaking of games that are doing well though kiri talk to us about some vampires yeah i went back to Vive rising because a new update came out that's why everybody's been picking up again uh secrets secrets of gloom rot it's called uh i haven't actually made it to that content yet though but um last time i played Vampire uh, V Rising was last year ago when it came out as an early access game. And in case you don't know what it is, it's a vampire survival gathering crafting base building game. Maybe a bit of hack and slash ARPG in there. It's, it's fun and it runs really good. You can play solo, you can play with other people on the server. Um, since that, you know, since last time I played, so much has changed and quality of life improvements were added. Um, none of that is what is new in the update though, but I was, I was pleasantly surprised by how much it has changed and changed to the better. So with that update, they added two new regions, new bosses, new enemies. You can now build a multi-floor castle. Um, Ooh. Building new, up? Yeah, you can build up. New weather effects, because obviously the sun hurts you, so you have to stay in the shade. But now you also have to be careful um, for lightning strikes. And yeah, they, the update sounds really cool. I haven't seen anything else uh, but the stairs, but I didn't have the materials yet to build the stairs. <laughs> but it's it's been really fun. It, I don't know, I, I forgot how much I liked it, honestly. Yeah, I went really heavily on it when it uh, launched uh... I like binged it for a couple of weeks uh, and got through all the all the content. And it was it was amazing fun. I played a bit on server because Halcyon had a server, but my problem was that the people who were playing on it had so much more time than I did, and mm. I was 
so behind and it, the community was great and wanted to give me all the weapons and everything but it wasn't any fun because I, I couldn't explore it for myself and discover everything so I dropped off rather quickly actually but playing on my own is awesome yeah, that's kind of like my, the the textbook problem I have with all multiplayer survival games is people have more time than me. And it's yeah. funny because I play mm. games for a living, so I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> but yet somehow people still have more time than me. Yeah, yeah it's also that like that they have, um, like they've played, a, some of them have played the game already, mm -hmm. the death basically. So they have all the knowledge of everything. So you don't really get the joy of discovery when they everything is like, oh yeah, this is here and this is this and this is how this works. So. Yeah, and that's just sad. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, I I don't know if I don't know if it's sad necessarily, but it's just that there are certain types of games that were kind of harder to get into when you're limited to a certain number of hours that you can play them per day, right? Mm -hmm. So I I even felt that a little bit with Mech Warrior when that was coming out initially, but but uh, Bellinger, do you think you're going to go back to a uh, V Rising for this update or? Uh... I'm not sure if for this update, I'm kind of tempted, uh, but I also have quite a lot of other things I want to play right now, so... Gotcha. I'm not sure. But I, I definitely do want to do another run of uh, V-Rising with people. Oh, I wonder I'm... if they've... Uh, like, it, it was uh, kind of how they launched it. It was kind of set up... Uh, like, you could do PvE, like, solo or in a group, uh, but it was also, like, kind of set up, like, Rasta, so that you're uh, fighting with other people. I wonder if yeah. they've, uh, like, improved the PvE element of it uh, more... So you can do much more of the single player or on a group against the against the world, or are they still focusing more on the uh, like the PvP side? I don't know. Like it was totally playable as a like a totally PVE game. Like we did a it was like a six of us I think uh, ish, and it was really fun uh, just PVEing, and so that totally works. Uh, but there was uh, all of these other like uh, obviously PvP focused things uh, that. Uh, were kind of wasted on us. Uh. Yeah, I, I, I kind of, I feel that way too. I mean, like that, that studio, the, 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 the team that made V Rising, like traditionally, that that was their bread and butter was PvP games, like Bloodline Champions and Battle Right. Yes, uh, were 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 both very much PvP focused games, mm -hmm. right? Like they were practically MOBAs, right? They were open kind of battle arena games. With this, with a similar combat style, similar camera perspective, but very much just three v three, you fight, and then the round's over, and you fight again. Um, was what they did previously. So, um, yeah, I mean, it did I, it I, amazingly I, well with that uh, crowd as well mm -hmm. when yeah, it no. launched. Uh, like it was massive everywhere. Everyone was streaming it. Uh, people really liked V Rising. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people going back. Uh, like uh, even the big streamers. Uh, with the new update, I've been playing it again. Speaking of games I don't have enough time to play, this is a bit of a departure. Have either of you guys tried or looked at uh, Starship Troopers Extermination? It's probably not no. Kiri-friendly because it's a first-person Yeah, it's not <laughs> I've looked at it. It looks uh, and it's apparently really good as well. It's Off-World uh, Industries. They made Squad. Yeah. So I might I'm, need to I'm, try that. I'm point. interested. Uh, it's just uh, it's quite expensive. Mm -hmm. And it's... Uh, the, I, w I probably wouldn't play it uh, enough for the price. Uh, it's but I, I wouldn't mind, like, uh, yeah. I wouldn't mind doing, like, a little bit of a Sunday multiplayer uh, shoot some uh, 
alien so i i i'd be i'd be down <laughs> call yeah. me um but uh on a on a on a more uh like on topic note a game that i've been playing uh is path of acra which i don't think i so bellinar earlier today said that um uh shadows of doubt is maybe your game game of the year this might be mine at least early contender Probably top five. I've put like 18 hours into this on Steam, and I put like 40 into the demo on Itch before it was available on Steam. Um, this is one of those games where if you're even remotely curious, try the demo, because two things about the demo. It's the full game. It's just an older build. And your progress carries over into the main game if you buy the game. That's neat. So that, that, those are the, that's the first two things I got to say about this game. Path of Acra is a build-focused roguelike not quite a traditional roguelike but it is very much a roguelike um it is i've heard it described as path of exile but it only takes 30 minutes um so essentially what what it is is you have a dude uh and you pick your your type of dude or lady sometimes it's a lady when you when when you load into the game um depends on whether or not you get a mustache uh and then you you pick your religion and you pick your class and there is, oh man, I, I might actually just open the game up and state how many there are. There, there is a lot of possible combinations of different classes. So there, there's, um, so for different types of characters, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Uh, for classes, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight gods. So that's twelve by twelve of different combinations plus eight gods. Um, the gods give you prayers, which are kind of like your special abilities and a bunch of passives. The class gives you starting stats, starting weapons, and a and a couple of passives. And your character type gives you your more starting stats, uh, a prayer type, and, and sometimes a passive or a prayer effect that is activated when you use your prayer, and um, then usually some passives. Um, and then some of them are just like a skeleton, where it's just a bunch of resistances and it can't walk. Um, but, uh, it's, it's in a game that's entirely built around builds. So once you select your passives, essentially from your class and your God type, you get into the main game and you select your powers, right? And there is, God, I, I don't actually know the full number of different abilities, but there is a total of, uh, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different elemental abilities with different things. So it's everything from like Marshall, which is just like I punch people and hit you with big stick, um, to like I explode into a ball of fire whenever I touch things, to like you walk next to me, I get deal damage to myself by stabbing myself, and then that deals damage to you because I took damage and then you taking damage heals me. Um and you can have up to three different uh, ability trees per build. And uh, so three different elements per build, um, or you can just focus on an entire element. If you put enough points into certain elements, then you get a master guild like thing, which levels you, you up and gives you a bunch more passives. But it's all about stacking passives. So unlike a lot of roguelikes where it's like, I need to worry about 15 different activatable abilities, you have at most three activatable abilities at any given time. Everything else is either on stand still or on step or on attack or on block or on dodge or on evade or... Um, stats can stack on like encumbrance, so you can just stack armor, which gives you encumbrance, which weighs you down, and that gives you more strength. And like, there's all kinds of wild combinations of abilities. So, with all that aside, um, it's 
a beautiful static pixel art. Everything is represented with wonderful little sprites. Um, the the it's a solo developer. It's his first game. He used to be a um, modder over in the uh, worlds of or in in Warcraft three. Um, would make maps for that. So this is kind of in a way like a remake of one of his Warcraft three maps, but not so. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a turn based game focused on builds. The the runs comprise of going from uh, the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen on kind of an FTL sort of map uh, with boss encounters in the middle. Um, and uh, at the end of each zone, you get some item drops, and then that also adds on to your possible passives and your gear and like the damage that you do, and it can give you more effects. So by the end of a run of Path of Acre, you press one button and the entire screen explodes for five seconds, and it's fantastic. It is just like the biggest goddamn power fantasy I've played in a roguelike <laughs> in like ever. And the runs are short enough that when you when you die, you you get a little bit of XP and it, you unlock new classes and stuff, which I've unlocked all of them. And uh, if you beat the game, uh, it moves the cycle forward and makes everything a little bit harder. Um, so the more you beat the game, the harder it gets, the more you need to actually think about your builds. Um, and, you know, it's got achievements for stuff. It's it's not too hard, but it gets harder as you go. Um, and it's pretty easy to pick up, I would say. Uh, and it's got this wonderful kind of grim, dark Cthulhu feel to the writing. I, I learned recently that the developer also apparently did or is like a semi-professional poet or something. So the writing is like wildly good and has a lot of flavor considering there's almost none of it. Um, like it'll give you like this little bit of flavor text when you go to select the next map and it'll be like, uh, I don't know, uh, dark creatures lurk here. Uh, you can smell the scent of burning forests, fire mages walk here. Uh, you will find a, uh, a green mask held by ancient druids uh, and a staff encrusted with gems of gold. And you kind of have to guess as to what that's going to be for your drops based on like that flavor text. And it's, it's kind of phenomenal. Um, it's done wildly well for what it is. It's like 10 bucks for the full game. The demo is free and it's also the full game. So just go play the demo. Um, and, uh, it's gotten a couple of videos from YouTubers and I think at this point still has a hundred percent positive reviews. So it's, it's, yeah, it's probably my favorite game of the year so far. Looks really nice. Fun for sure. It says it's broken built sandbox. <laughs> yeah, literally that, that, that is what it, like I, I had a build once where, uh, I just basically maxed out evade, right? And my God mm. had a, has a passive on it, which is Hadad, where if you, if you evade on, 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 on evade or on block, you get an extra hit um, was one mm -hmm. of the uh, abilities I had in the martial tree. And that God, if you haven't used any of your prayers and you hit something, uh, you shoot fire and lightning out of your hands in a line. Um, so I picked a, 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 a culture, which is like your character type, that is all based on evasion and adding evasion and dodge. Uh, picked a weapon, uh, a class type that was on step, block, or dodge, perform an extra attack, and then just maxed out the on dodge and block, get an extra attack. So I would attack a thing once, it would just be like, just like a machine gun of just like wall of fire and lasers and lightning and stuff, and everything in the screen would just die. <laughs> like it got to the point where there was an enemy type at the end of the game that you run into that teleports onto you. They would teleport onto me and insta die because I would just evade them repeatedly and it would just keep like running in like an infinite loop until bang it would die it was bloody phenomenal the game is fantastic yeah so much it, it looks like I, I played a lot of like a 
traditional roguelikes, like Adom being one of my favorite ones. So, and then yep. also like uh, I play a lot of Path of Exile, and uh, I really enjoy the whole like the, the like the process of building a, a builder, maybe more than actually uh, actually playing the game. Mm-hmm. I might I might spend like there's a program for Path of Exile called Path of Building, which basically allows you to simulate and like create a builder, mm-hmm. which is kind of needed these days to be honest for it it's getting so complex um so this seems like it's just condensing that whole um like building a build into like a very bite-sized uh the longest uh, run i've had in this game was about an hour and 40 minutes to get to the end and the reason it took an hour and 40 minutes was because i was playing a skeleton which is really slow and i was summoning units so the game had to run through so many turns per turn that each turn was taking about i don't know 15 seconds so Mm -hmm. The 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 only the longest run I ever had was just simply because like turns were taking so long, and also like just to talk about gameplay for a second, you can move around with numpad, you can move around with the mouse. There's you can also move around on the keyboard, um, or you can just hit tab, and the game will just like for certain builds, you can just hit tab, and the game will just move towards the nearest enemy and hit it for you. So you, you can mm-hmm. if you have the right kind of build, you can literally just hold down tab and like not really pay attention to it. Yeah, it seems like this game is kind of between uh, those like a uh, very heavy build uh, type of a uh, older. Uh roguelikes uh, or like Path of Exile and then like Vampire Survivors where you get the yeah, it is somewhere explosion in explosion of things. There. But like yeah, there's, also certain, like a... there's also some builds where you have to be very particular about your movements and if you step onto the wrong square you'll just get insta-gibbed. So like mm-hmm. it, it, it depends on the build you're building, right? Like you can build a build where it's just I stand still and explode <laughs> and that's it. Fire yeah. go everywhere and you burn to death and I laugh at you. Um, but it, it seems to maximize like the enjoyment of both of those, like the building and then the explosion. So yeah, and because the runs are so short, you can just, like, play through... Like, I, I play through two to three runs an evening before bed. Mm-hmm. I, and I haven't played a game like that in... I don't know. It, it's been a really long time. I, I haven't played a game like that since I obsessed over Trackmania mid-2020. Yeah, I, I definitely have to give this a go as well. So, yeah, no, it's, it, is, it is fantastic. So, check out Path of Acra. Um... Bellinaire, uh, what is Laysara Summit Kingdom? So they popped a demo uh, recently, like a week ago or something on Steam. And um, it's basically a city building game. Uh, you're basically building, a, uh, basically, it's like a Tibet on this like a mountain side where you build a, it's very Anoish building style. Like, you have the same road styles, so houses, uh, you put the marketplace in the middle, and then you have the service in the range, provide all the goods. Like, if you played any, any of the, like, Anno style, uh, same with the production change. Like, you need a, this building to make far, like, farm to make a wheat, then you produce that wheat into something, and then you deliver it to marketplace and distribute it to people. So it's that kind of, a, like, a city building Anno-ish production chain game, but on, a, like, a very steep mountainside, uh, which uh, adds a uh, Kind of interesting uh, complexity to it, uh, and you have like these uh, different uh, elevations and different like uh, spots on the cliff uh, where you can build, uh, and you have to build bridges between them and like these like uh, lifts uh, that you can go up and down. And like different layers have uh, different things. Like the bottom layer of the mountain is like fertile, so you can do like a lot of your farming and stuff like that up there. And then uh, when you go upper uh, level, there's uh, like mining over there, and you can do like, certain things on certain layers, uh, and the goal is to basically populate the mountainside uh, all the way to the top, uh, and then build this like a like a monastery or like a kind of monument at the top, basically to win the game. And uh, so, is this Anno, but instead of having like separate 
portions of your city on separate islands, you're on separate cliff faces? Yeah, basically. Okay. <laughs> basically. Like, I'm, I'm just looking at this, like, like, I, this looks exactly like Edo. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. And you have, like, uh, transportation systems between the, your, like, mountain islands, more or less. Uh, so you have to transport, uh, like, I had uh, all my housing and all my uh, cow housing. You have to have uh, yaks. They have their own. They're, they're basically citizens as well. Um, so yeah, I had those and all the farming on the bottom layer. And then I had, like, bees and uh, um, copper mining and copper pots uh, on the second layer. And then you had to deliver those uh, to the bottom. Uh, and uh, it, it works really well. Like, it definitely captures that same, uh, like, Anno-style uh, gameplay. But uh, a little bit more bite-sized uh, uh, but it also has like a like disasters, uh, which you don't really. I mean, you kind of get to enjoy those in in the demo. But um, there's like a um, avalanches, uh, and you have to like uh, protect against those. And you can build like this thing that triggers the avalanche uh, before it gets too big. Uh, and you have like a ton of uh, snow coming down the mountain, uh, and you have kind of have to channel it uh, so it doesn't hit your building. So you can build like walls and uh, things uh, to kind of keep it away from your houses. Uh. So it does have like uh, some some things that uh, like Anno doesn't have, and it looks really fantastic. Uh. I really like the art style on it, uh. and it, it's it's kind of funny. But when you're building like the in the building mode, it doesn't look that steep. Uh. Like it, how the camera angle is set, it, it doesn't look that steep. Uh, but you have like a free like a photo mode as well, so you can just go. It was the first thing I when I got the game. I was like, I want to zoom in closer. Can I zoom in closer? Because. Uh, some of the like uh, houses and people, they just look really good, and then you you just get like this free floating camera with the photo mode, and you can like realize like how damn steep it's like a forty five angle on the steep hill or even more mm -hmm. on some of the parts. And I was also like wondering, uh, can you rotate a building, uh, which you can't at least in the demo. But I also realized why you can't rotate the building once I went to the photo mode and realized like, okay, the building just cannot exist there. Uh, in this angle on that steep cliff, it has to be this way. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's it's it feels really good, like a for a city building game. Like a, I I definitely enjoyed the demo, and I really want to play the full version whenever that happens to come out. Uh, and it's just visually really good looking, and I also really like the uh, like the whole like Tibet um, like the team it has because uh, it's not really something that's been done that much in games. Uh. Like we we learned uh, about the. Uh, um, food in different foods in Tibet uh, I was like produce this food thing and I was like what is that and we, then we went to uh, into the Wikipedia and I was like what is this food <laughs> so I really enjoyed the team as well like it's something that you don't usually get uh, in, in like any video games Does yeah, it have I, a moving I, background? Uh, I don't like, think like, so really because you basically most of the time just look at the mountain Okay. So it doesn't really you don't really see the background. Yeah, because I was thinking if you if you maybe not zoomed in that much, maybe you see clouds going in the background. I don't know. There is definitely some moving clouds. So it's like this kind of fog. You can you can see like other mountains uh, in the distance, and then there is uh, like this fog that kind of goes in there. Okay. But uh, most of the time you're kind of zoomed in, uh, so that you don't even see that all at all. If you look all at right. like, the, the screenshots on the Steam page. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Like, like for example, the second picture with the like red houses. Uh, that's basically what you see most of the time. So okay. there's really nothing moving other than the animations in the town. So it shouldn't be really an issue. Mm, thank you. I definitely recommend trying out the demo. 
it's surprisingly uh, like a long demo as well. I got, it says uh, I got an email from the developer asking if I would like to check out the game. And so they said like forty five minutes, but I, I spent like an hour and a half. Uh, but I also felt that like for that hour and a half, it did have quite a lot of uh, content uh, and mechanics. Uh. Well, I that, that that's fantastic. I mean, I think I maybe I'm just a somebody who really wished he liked Anno more, but I wish that more people made games like Anno because I mm-hmm. always want to get into the Anno games, and then I start playing them, and I'm just like, ah, I don't. Yeah, like especially this. the new one is. Uh... Has, the new Anno has so much content that it's just a, such a venture. Like uh, they're 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 not bad games. They're just kind of a lot. Yeah, that's, definitely the newest that's one. The best way I can put it, they're just, just kind so of much. a lot. So this one is definitely much more bite-sized. Uh, if you want that same experience, but more bite-sized. Uh. Sounds good. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, I think that brings us to the end of games. So uh, I think we're going to take a real quick break here, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about the news in this week. And it's not all sad. There's some good news. I swear. Back after this. And we're back with episode 70 of the Halcyon Frequency podcast, and we're going to be talking about the news that's been happening in the past couple of weeks. Uh, Embracer Group, you might remember them. Everybody's favorite Swedish overlords have purchased the rights to, or the book rights to Lord of the Rings, a little indie novel series that you may have heard of. Um, Some movie adaptations were made a while ago, but uh, recently Embracer has announced that they are working on, alongside of Amazon, a new Lord of the Rings MMO. Um, and we know how well Amazon's, uh, you know, uh, forays into video game development have gone uh, so far. But I'm just kind of curious as to your your guys' thoughts on this. Because I know that there's been a Lord of the Rings MMO, right? It exists. It's It's been going and running yeah. for kind of a long time. And it has a pretty core fan base and audience. So I guess the question for me is, like, who is this for? Is this for that audience? Are they trying to capture that kind of niche, small audience? Or are, are they trying to, you know... Like, does Lord of the Rings have the staying power that it did, you know, 10 years ago, even? I mean, they did have all the new TV shows uh, for Lord of the Rings, so I imagine it's uh, capturing the people again. Certainly, but like... I'm probably aimed more for that people than the old uh, Lothro people. Sure. Because if they're still playing, do you really want to move on to a new one? I mean, people still play EverQuest, right? (laughs) And Mm. EverQuest 2. Um... Like, there's a few thousand people playing EverQuest every month that, have, that are still playing EverQuest. So, like, I, I don't think people... There are some people that just never really move on from MMOs, but I don't know. I, I, I feel like it, this, it, this is a weird thing to read because it's like, you know, they're working on a new Amazon, uh, MMO with Amazon, and it's like, are MMOs still a thing that people want? Because I, I kind of feel like games like V Rising have almost taken over that niche to a degree, and Valheim. I, I do think that people are still like very, very hungry for uh, MMOs. Like people play still like WoW Classic and Retail and uh, Final Fantasy fourteen uh, like exploded uh, sure. last year or the year before. Uh, but are you gonna pull those people ones, uh, away from Final Fantasy? You know, like to me, this kind of feels like around the same era when like that Warhammer MMO came out. Yeah, and well, I mean, we uh, all saw how well that did. 
Yeah, I mean, the, there was a, the Amazon's previous uh, MMO as well, and they pulled like a ton of people, but initially. then it kind of died out initially, yes. So I feel this will probably initially pull a lot of people as well, and then depending how good the game is, uh, it probably won't have the people if it doesn't have uh, anything to keep them there, and people just go back to their uh, MMOs that they like. Uh, I mean, or it, if, it'll... It, if it has, does have something cooler, then maybe they actually stay. I, I, I'm curious to see what this ends up being, and I guess it's going to be worth watching, but, like, I don't I'm, know. I'm Making new Lord of the Rings sure. things at this point, to me, just seems kind of saccharine in a way. I, I don't know why. But yeah, like... and it's also, like, Embracer plus Amazon. Yeah. Like, Amazon hasn't ha- really had good track with those uh, MMOs. And also, like, I feel like Embracer has bought, like, a million, like, IPs, and then, like, makes, like, a remake or a new version of the game or something. And they tend to be kind of mediocre. Yeah, like, I, I mean, like, Kiri, you played quite a bit of New World, right? I did, yeah. Did Have you ever gone back to it? Like, what's do you know what the status of that game is at this point? Because I remember New World came out, some people loved it, some people hated it, and then it bricked a bunch of graphics cards, and then I don't think I've heard about it since. I know that it's still being updated, because I get the Steam news feed, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't played it in, I don't know, forever, I suppose. Um... I really liked it, but it was so PvP-focused and Mm. also not ideal for me and my simulation sickness, so I couldn't do PvP. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that that was it. I know FG loved it, absolutely loved it, but also the PvP focus was not good. Yeah, that's Um, kind of my problem with all these new MMOs as well. uh, A lot of them are very PvP-focused, though, and I'm I'm very much not. I I don't mind... I I like PvP in in MMOs. I've played in Guild Wars Two, for example. I really like that, but it's just mm-hmm. New World. The controls I just can't play it because my camera sensitivity is so low that I don't get sick. I can't fight. I'm not just not going to survive. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, I I don't know how New World's holding up still, but I'm definitely curious about the new Lord of the Rings MMO. I'm I'm looking for an MMO that's going to grab me again. Well, yeah, we'll see. For me, like I'm looking at New World reviews right now, and it's a lot of people with like three to five thousand hours saying people are stopping playing because of insert reason here. Um, so <laughs> pretty typical MMO reviews: three thousand hours, bad game, but <laughs> you know, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. It, it's yeah. I, I don't know. MMOs are cut; they're kind of not my speed. So for me, I have to kind of reach to other people to like ask because like the closest thing to an MMO that I've played in the last, I guess, five years would probably be. Uh, uh, track mania <laughs> that's not an mmo <laughs> so um, no speaking of uh, multiplayer speaking of other games that are not mmos uh kiri what's going on with roots of pacha <laughs> that's so funny that's so funny okay roots of pacha. <laughs> no 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 it's not it's just that the whole story is so funny okay um so i've i've talked about it before of g and arch on this podcast so you, you probably know what it is too long didn't read uh, kind of a Stardew Valley life sim in the Stone Age setting ish. Um, and it, it vanished from Steam. It's not there anymore. You cannot purchase it because the developer, Soda Den, uh, is in a, I suppose now also legal disagreement with the publisher Crytivo um, because a couple of days after the launch, the developer wanted to get out of the contract with the publisher. 
Um, the publisher didn't want that because they apparent or they they claim they've supported and helped uh, develop the game for the past three years, and now after the su successful launch, they want to separate. Um, and they claim that according to Valve's policy, if there is a dispute, then they have to contact Valve, and Valve uh, just remove the Steam page because it's about money and sales. So there are no sales being made right now. The developer is still continuing development and there are updates. So if you have the game, you can play it, you get the updates, it's perfectly fine, but you cannot purchase it. It's hilarious. And it, it, at first it was only the developer saying, oh, they've removed it. We don't know what's going on. We're going to fix this and blah, 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 bad publisher. But also the publisher made a statement and it, you know, it's side A, side B. It's it's just embarrassing that it got out. Honestly, it's embarrassing they couldn't solve that without going public. Mm. It's also really hard to like judge uh, when you're not in there, like from outside. Uh, like one of guy course, says this, yeah. and the other guy says this. It's like yeah, which it's just, side you believe, it? I, and it's probably I'm, more on both sides uh, than uh, they let you know. Yeah, like I'm I'm not on any side. It's just those you know this side said that, the other side said that, but yeah. It's just absolutely ridiculous. It's it, from from my perspective of somebody who barely even was aware of that game's existence. It just kind of seems like a he said she said spitting match on social media, with yeah. like an actual legal battle going on underneath, underneath. And like you know, we don't have all of the information on either side, so we just kind of have what they said and what they said. And people are taking sides based on whether or not they bought a game from the publisher before, and it's mm -hmm. weird. Yeah, it's so. bad publicity. Oh yeah, no, it just makes everybody look bad. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. The game's good, though. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've heard really good things about the game, and I kind of wanted to check it out as well, and then like, oh, well, I guess I'm not checking it out, at least for now. Yeah. I mean, if if you have it already, like, what's to stop you from streaming it and being like, hey, I have this game you can't play? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you da, could do da, da, that. Da, da, da. But then there's also, you don't really, like, I'm still playing it off stream. I'm not going to stream okay. it again, though. I, I hadn't planned on anyways, but now like i don't know what's going on behind the scenes here i don't i might not want to support this on stream mm. publicly because yeah I, I don't know yeah i don't know it's just yet, weird so i guess i have to wait then see what happens there yeah speaking of things you might not want to support publicly blizzard is uh scrapping overwatch 2's hero missions and progression and it's um it, we have this uh article over here on pc gamer um long story short um Overwatch 2, the whole reason for Overwatch 2 uh, was that they were going to rework some characters and make the game uh, a 5v5 game instead of a 6v6 game. And uh, they were going to add in uh, PvE missions where you and four of your buddies could go and play as your favorite characters and uh, uh, read erotic fan fiction about those characters and then run around in co-op missions and shoot stuff and get more lore um, to expand your fan fiction because that's all that the people who still play these games, uh, who still play Overwatch are doing at this point as far as I'm concerned. Um, but, uh, essentially they've canceled it. So, uh, when, when they announced, when they launched Overwatch 2, they launched it without the PVE stuff and they're like, PVE's coming, PVE's coming, it's coming. Don't worry about it. Um, now they've canceled it. So they've scrapped the co-op missions and the, uh, progression alongside of the co-op missions. So to, at this point, I, I, I have to pose the question, why does Overwatch 2 exist? Because it seems like aside from the fact that it's free to play, everybody just kind of hates it more than original Overwatch. And a lot of people just kind of want Overwatch back. 
um, which you can't play or buy anymore because Overwatch 2 replaced it. And now they've cut the main, like, actual interesting feature from Overwatch 2. That is sad. So, like, I kind of, I feel bad, sort of, for people who are still playing Overwatch at this point. But, like, why are still people, why are people still playing Overwatch? Maybe it's fun. I, I mean, sure, but, like, I don't, man, it's just. Yeah, it's so weird how they can't just get the PvE into the Overwatch. Like, it was supposed to be an MMO originally, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Which then got scrapped, uh, and then... Supposed to be Project that, Titan basically, or whatever. Yeah, then they made that into Overwatch 1. Uh, and then they're like, finally we're getting that PvE stuff that we made, uh, like, 10 years ago into the game. We're making Overwatch 2, and then... Not. <laughs> Again. <laughs> it's so weird. It's, like, it's so strange to me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Blizzard uh, these days, I guess. <laughs> it feels like there's many things really wrong in there. The only and things how, that still how... work for Blizzard Activision King at this point are Call of Duty, Candy Crush, and hopefully Diablo for all the people waiting for Diablo. Yes. I'm so excited. Which apparently is pretty decent, though, what I heard from the new uh, server slam they had. Uh. Yeah, yeah. No Although, really liking it. Plan to play it the sec the week after launch, not the week of launch. If you're gonna play Diablo, because um, those servers are they're gonna be on fire. Like they're, they're claiming For they're sure. gonna try and be ready, but no, that that they're, they're gonna be on fire. Like the, a building is going to burn down when <laughs> when Diablo. Well, they have launches. that um, is it four days or three days early access if you buy the really expensive uh, edition of the game. Lots of people are four gonna days, do that. and it's not it's the the middle one already. So it's yeah, not... but even the base one is kind of expensive. <laughs> it's an expensive well, it's game. A normal, it's a normal AAA game now. Yeah. Which is expensive. AAA games are $89.99 here. They, I mean, they are expensive, sure. Yeah. But it's a AAA game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, uh, fingers crossed for Diablo, and uh, I'm sorry to all you Overwatch fans out there. Um, yeah, I hope they someday get that PvE stuff. Because actually the lore and things that they have uh, is kind of interesting. And I love that like the, they've done those like uh, character videos and things uh, for Overwatch. Oh, the cinematics! Overwatch. And they're they're super fun to watch. Like I don't care about Overwatch in any way, but I they really like just the turn on yeah. Overwatch and make a movie. Yes. Yeah, like just 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 turn Get, the like, video game off or something. Yeah, put the first one back up and make a movie. I mean, it can't do worse than the Warcraft movie, right? Yeah. Speaking of movies, uh, Nicolas Cage, everybody's favorite video game protagonist, is now a video game protagonist, or is going to be a video game pr- protagonist in Dead by Daylight. And it's not Nicolas Cage as, like, one of his characters that he's in, because he's, like, he's in many horror movies, right? Um, but, like, or in a good number of horror films, or films that are, like, horror adjacent. Um, but, no, he's just, it's Nicolas Cage as Nicolas Cage as a survivor in Dead by Daylight. I don't play Dead by Daylight. I have no interest in Dead by Daylight. This is fantastic. I want more of this. <laughs> like, it's funny. I, I saw this uh, linked uh, in, uh, in, uh, in the Discord. Uh, and you have this, like, a still image of uh, his face in the, uh, in the tweet. Uh, mm-hmm. And I thought he looks like Drongo on that. Nicolas Cage. I just, I just want Nicolas Cage to be Nicolas Cage in all video games. Like, put him in Call of Duty, put him in Fortnite, uh, put him in Smash, mm-hmm. um, Mario Kart. Uh, uh, he should be a guest character in Mortal Kombat. Um, oh, 
They're remaking that as well. The next Mortal Kombat is Mortal Kombat 1. Yeah, they need to stop doing that. I was ranting about that the other day. It ruins all databases for video games. And as somebody who stares at databases for video games, mm-hmm. it's like, why did you happen to do that? Anyway, um, what the heck are Epic Game Store launches, Epic Game Store rewards? Because I don't even know what that is. I try to avoid Epic Game Store. And I saw this in the news thing. And I was like, I'm sure somebody else here knows what this means. I, I actually but- read through it. Yeah, so... Epic is, is going to try something like like Humble a hat for ages now. When you buy something, you get like a, a cashback 5% reward in a, in a wallet, I suppose, mm-hmm. um, for the next purchase. But I think you have to use it within, uh, how many months was it? 25 months. 25 months, yeah. Yeah, and then it's going it like to expire. Two weeks after the purchase. Uh. So ah. it's, it's, it's a good system. Humble's doing it. It's nice, you know. You buy something on Epic, you get five percent for that for the next game. It's cool. Yeah. Every twentieth game is free. Does Fortnite money count towards this? Yes, even V Bucks. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. I, I I have a feeling what this is going to do because, like, you know, pe- people who don't buy games on Epic. And there's a lot of those people, right? And there's still a lot of those stalwart, like I only buy games on Steam or only GOG and Steam or whatever. Won't mm-hmm. use Epic for one reason or another. Reason or another. I don't think this is going to sway that crowd at all. Nope. But you know, no. it might make people who play a lot of Fortnite buy other games with their Fortnite money, or just more Fortnite. Could be. Money. Yeah. It's all games, apps, add-ons, or virtual currencies. Speaking of uh, people who only play games on Steam. Um, Steam is offering a 90-minute game trial starting with Dead Space. Um, doesn't this completely like make their uh, refund policy redundant? Well, this is only for limited games, right? It's not for yeah. everything. Yeah, so... But for those games. I don't think this is a great idea, because, I mean, people do that uh, trial thing by refunding, I guess. Yeah. And it's more like, it's, I guess, the next step with the demos as well. The demos, I feel, are like a fantastic idea. Like I back in the day, I loved demos when I was a kid. That's how I discovered most of the games back in the day, like buying a buying a magazine, getting a CD or oh, yeah. or something with mm-hmm. like a, here's a hundred demos of random games, and then just play, play those for a couple of months and oh, this is a great game. I'm gonna buy this. And I also like it lets you to play games that you otherwise probably wouldn't check. Out. Like the same thing with like uh, all these uh, like uh, Xbox. Game Pass and all the other subscription things because you don't have to pay, buy a specific game you get to test a bunch of things uh, uh, I've tried a lot of things that I wouldn't touch otherwise uh, because of that uh, and I feel this uh, whole trial thing will help with that as well and probably get uh, people to buy games uh, that they wouldn't normally uh, buy because they wouldn't otherwise try it at all so you don't really want to throw that uh, 60 euros or whatever Canadian it was uh, on a game uh, uh, just to try it, uh, if it's uh, especially something that you haven't really, like a type, type of game that you haven't really played before and you don't know if you like it or not, uh, so having a trial option is a, is a really good or a, or a demo. Yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a neat idea. I'm curious to see how it's implemented and what games take it. I imagine it's going to be on a lot of like big AA games. Uh, obviously mm. you can't do like a short uh, visual novel game that's uh, an hour long and giving a 90 minute uh, trial on that uh, 
I'll tell you no, this, I would try a 90 minute case. trial on Starship Troopers Extermination right now if I had the opportunity. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be downloading already. Yeah. So, I, I, I think certain types of games, I think it would work real well. I think for other types of games, it would work real terrible. Um, but, uh, yeah, no. It seems like a neat idea. Curious to see how it's implemented. Curious to see who implements it. But um, that kind of brings us to the end of... Uh, this week's episode of the Halcyon Frequency podcast, but um, I, I I have access to some stats, some behind the scenes stats that like um, I not everybody has access to because I'm the I'm the one with the passwords. If anybody wants them, just just let me know and I can either screenshot them or share them with uh, our team behind the scenes. But um, it shows us rankings, which take way too long to load on this page, which is why I'm stalling. Uh, but it shows us rankings uh, around um, on uh, ver- various platforms of like how well our episodes are doing. Um, so currently, <clears throat> uh, we are an- rank uh, 81 uh, in uh, Poland for video games. Uh, we are uh, rank 62 in Poland's f- in in India for leisure and video games. We are rank 100 in leisure in Poland uh, for podcasts, and um, we are still uh, the 60th most popular uh, podcast in Honduras for video games. So shoutouts to our one Honduran fan and. Um, yeah, th- those are all of our recent rankings. And uh, a couple of weeks back, we were uh, we charted pretty high in Germany for a minute there. For some reason, we were like the 18th most popular video games podcast in Germany. So shout out to the fans out there. Um, as, as always, if you want to help us get these rankings up, go, go leave us reviews on iTunes uh, for your region because regional reviews on iTunes are kind of crazy. So for a lot of places in the world, we're probably a zero-star podcast. But if you think we're a five-star podcast, go, go leave us a five-star review. Um, Kiri, who are you and where can people find you on the internet? I'm Kiri, and you can find me on tdkiri.com, linking to all the platforms. Bellinair, who are you and uh, where can people find you on the internet? I don't know. Most days, I'm, I don't know who I am myself, to be honest. But you can find me, Bellinair, basically everywhere. Twitch and Twitter and YouTubes and everything. Maybe you need to add a TV at the end. <laughs> and uh, yeah. maybe I will be actually not sleeping and actually streaming soon as well. And I'm blind. You can find me at stupidskill.com or just B-L-I-N-D-I-R-L on most platforms. And uh, this podcast is the Halcyon Frequency Podcast. Episodes go up every Sunday. If you would like to get more episodes of this podcast, go to halcyonfrequency.com. That also has links to all of our team's various um, social media things, as well as our Discord server. If you join the Discord, there's a room to discuss this podcast and ask us questions or yell at us when we accidentally forget to upload an episode or something, And uh, which doesn't happen often, I swear. And uh, once again, if you would like to support this podcast, the best way to do that is simply uh, go to the uh, iTunes pages or your podcast platform of choice. I'm told you can leave comments now on Spotify, which is crazy. I don't know. I unsubscribed from Spotify last year and haven't looked at it in a while. Uh, but apparently you can leave comments on Spotify now. So go leave us some comments if you're listening on Spotify. Do do, do those sorts of things. That, that'd be cool. Um, but uh, the, the music you're hearing for the intros and outros are by Peter Pohl and Paul Mile. And uh, if you uh, want to get more episodes of this podcast, once again, halcyonfrequency.com. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week. Till next week. Don't touch that dial. This is Halcyon Frequency. Signing off. And done.